0: Welcome to Bible Study. This is Nick Krita, your host. Thank you for tuning in. It's our privilege to welcome you to the program and thank you for tuning in. Please stay with us for this hour as we are going to look into a very interesting topic today. And uh, you can be part of this program. You can send us a question or uh, just a comment maybe a thought in regard to the things we are uh, talking about, or you may have a prayer request. And I believe with the things going on in this world, there is a lot of need for prayer. Please don't hesitate and send us a text message to zero four eight two 9 This is the phone number where you can send text messages to, to us, to this program. And uh, later on, we'll come also with the offer which we have prepared for you. The number again, it's zero four eight two zero nine triple eight three. I'd like to say hello to our panel today. And it's good to have with us back, Will. Thank you, Nick. Good to be back. Thank you for the invitation. Jerry, it's good to have you with us too. Thank you, Nick. Always a pleasure to be here. Hi, Denise. Thank you for joining us.
1: Hi, Nick. It's always a pleasure to be here. I'm very happy.
0: Len, thank you for being part of this discussion again. Thank you, Nick. And hello, listeners. And it's good to have you with us today.
2: Yes, thank you. Always feeling blessed.
0: Brenton, I'd like to come to you now and thank you for um, being part of this panel. But most uh, importantly, I'd like to thank you for taking extra time to prepare this. uh, You're going to facilitate this discussion and uh, thank you for joining us.
3: Thank you, Nick. I, I just pray that the message that we're going to share on air will be a blessing not only to ourselves, but those
0: who listen, and it will also be a challenge. Absolutely, absolutely. All right. Well, uh, Brenton, uh, please take us through. Yes.
3: The topic that we are going to discuss today is called excuse to avoid mission. As I was researching this topic during the week, I came up with this statement that I just want to share with you before I give you a more formal introduction. This stuck in my mind and it's been bouncing around in my head I guess most of the week. It says this, the excuses of those who fail to do this work, the work meaning to share the gospel with others, do not uh, relieve them of the responsibility. And if they choose not to do this, they neglect the souls for whom Christ has died, neglect their God-given responsibility, and are registered in the books of heaven as unfaithful servants. It's a fairly dire warning in some respects, To us, and we are going to have a look at a particular character from uh, the Bible, well known to I would imagine many of our listeners. But before we do that, Denise, I wonder if you would pray for us because we really need the Holy Spirit's guidance in this study.
1: Yes, certainly, Brenton. Let's pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, as we come to you this morning, before we look at the life of Jonah in the Bible, we ask that you would guide, um, not only the panel, but that you would be with the listeners. I pray that your Holy Spirit would um, guide our discussion and help us to see the important principles that come out of the discussion, and may our discussion lead um, not only us to recommit our lives to you, but also the listeners to think about their commitment to you, and I pray that you will bless Brenton as he leads out and bless the rest of the panel as we present this message to those who are listening. In Jesus' name, amen.
3: Mm. Thank you, Denise. Mm. As Denise said in her prayer, the person that we're going to spend the bulk of our time in this study on is a person called Jonah. (coughs) Many of our listeners probably don't know what the name Jonah means. It actually means dove, but... um, as I was researching this, I came up with the fact that uh, a dove is considered generally a fairly timid bird, uh, but an alternative in English is the word chicken. <laughs> now, we all know when someone is called chicken, and so we're looking at this particular character today because he st- certainly started out in that category. So whenever we think of um, Bible characters, we do think of the prophet Jonah. Little is known about him other than his birthplace, which was Gathhefa near Nazareth in Galilee. It's interesting that the Pharisees, when they were arguing over Jesus with Nicodemus, they said, look into it and you will see that no prophet comes out of Galilee. Well, they didn't know their own scriptures because Jonah was from Galilee. We know his father's name, Amittai. We know nothing of his wife or family or any other details. The only other reference to him we find in the Old Testament in 2 Kings 14.25, where he prophesied that under Jeroboam II, who reigned from 793 to 753 BC, he would restore Israel's political boundaries. And if you look at a map, you'll find that he virtually restored them to the level that they were under Solomon when the kingdom was united. Ironically, despite Jonah's reluctance to do what God wanted him to do as a result of his preaching, a whole city, at least 120,000 people were brought to repentance, making him by far the most successful evangelist of the Old Testament period. In our study, we would like to look at um, some of the excuses uh, that he used for not fulfilling the mission and the, his response When the city ultimately repented, and then we want to finish, Nick is going to share with us from the book of Isaiah, which has a very, very different picture of a person who was called by God. So we're going to commence our study by looking at Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 to 3, noting in particular verse 3. Will, I wondered if you could share that with us, and we'll have a look at some of the, uh, the reasons that possibly... Describe him as being afraid. Thanks, Will.
4: Sure. Jonah 1, verses 1 to 3. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and then found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare. He went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord.
3: It seems, Will, that uh, everything from here for Jonah was going down.
4: <laughs> Downhill, yes. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Oh uh, dear, let's have a look at some of the reasons then. What were some of the reasons he was afraid? Will, would you like to perhaps comment once or twice on those? And then, panel, maybe we could have a look at it because we may think of other um, reasons as to why he didn't want to go other than those that we uh, just have here before us. Cool. What stands out to you, Will, of uh, his reason or his reluctance to wanting to go?
4: Brenton, when you read the name Ammitai, the father's name, <laughs> I thought, uh, what would that mean? And uh, it actually means to affirm or to support <laughs> Jonah was the example. <laughs> but looking back into history, you know, Assyrians were great warriors. Mm-hmm. No most, nations, most nations at that time uh, were looters building their state by robbing other nations. We discover, though, that Assyria was the most ferocious of them all. Their very name becomes a byword for cruelty and atrocity. Absolutely. You know, they skinned their prisoners alive. Yeah. They cut off various body parts to inspire terror in their enemies. You know, in museums today, there are reliefs chiseled in stone depicting Assyrian, Assyrian officials pulling out the tongues and displaying mounds of human skulls, all to bring about stark horror and wealthy tribute from the surrounding nations. Nowhere in all the pages of history are there more bloody people in the records of their wars. Now, with regard to Jonah, because of the cruelty and paganism, Of the Assyrians. The Hebrew people harbored deep-seated hostility against this nation. This attitude is revealed very clearly in the book of Jonah. When God instructs Jonah to preach to Nineveh, the capital of Assyria, Jonah refuses and goes into the opposite direction. After he finally went to Nineveh, we'll see, the prophet was disappointed with God for having spared the city. We smile, you know, when we read this story. But 150 years later, the prophet Nahum spoke against Assyria, indicating that they were ripe for the slaughter. So, you know, Brenton, <clears throat> I can understand just from a cultural uh, standpoint um, how he must have felt with this seemingly... Possible request to go and take the gospel to the Ninevites.
3: Thank you, Will. Um, Len, you had some thoughts for us on it.
5: Thanks. Well, I had another thought. <laughs> Please uh, share it with us. <laughs> gonna recognize that these people were very ferocious and warlike. You may have thought, well, they're not worth my going there. Mm. They may not have been. Afraid, there's very good reasons why he could have been afraid, but he probably thought, this is a worthless lot. What is God doing for me? It's sending me there.
3: Thank you, Len. Lydia, and then Denise.
2: Okay, we have to notice the fact that uh, Nineveh was a center of crime at that time and and very big wickedness. Inspiration has characterized uh, the city as the a bloody city full of lies and robbery. And, uh, in that's true,
3: Lydia. And they weren't swearing either.
2: <laughs> yes. And, um, the wickedness passed continually. It was a magnificent city, this Nineveh. And, uh, um, historians tells us that, uh, Senashirib, which was the king, greatly expanded the, the city, including building The huge southern-west palace that alone measured 1650 feet by 794 feet, which it means 503 meters by 242 meters, and contained at least 80 rooms. Also, he built 18 canals to bring water to the city from as far away as 40 miles, which is 65 kilometers, Its size alone would have been intimidating. Also, it says that this king, Sennacherib, boasted that he filled the streets with the corpses of its inhabitants. He was a very ferocious king, he had wars, and he killed young and old, and uh, the city was full of of cruelty, and uh, of course, I think Jonah was quaked with fear.
3: Yeah, thank you. Um, Denise, So uh, you had some thoughts for us too, thanks.
2: Yes, I think
1: Jonah being God's prophet, God had a mission for him to accomplish and God can see the end from the beginning and I'm sure he could see what the effect of Jonah's preaching would do to the Ninevites before Jonah even got there. So that's a good
3: thought, Denise.
1: God's desire, I think, was to give these people an opportunity to repent, and Jonah was going to be the one that would facilitate that.
0: Mm. Nick? Uh, This will be probably very uh, good to translate that.
3: It's a good way to start, Nick.
0: Yeah, (laughs) put put it in in the context of uh, ourselves, our um daily life, uh, the things going on in this world today. How many of us will go to some places where where things are done as was mentioned here in Nineveh? We may have the same uh, mind like Jonah, but the thing is here that we need to listen to God's call and we are called to be peacemakers. We are go, uh, called to be, um, people who reveal the love of God to the world. Now, that's not what happens these days. Look at just even the conflict with God's people, Israel, you know, which we know. Is that, um, something which we can reflect in the, you know, in the context of this discussion? I believe it I, is, Nick. Yeah. I, I believe, I believe this is a very good Object lesson for us today is not that we are just looking at Jonah's experience and the history of uh, this unfaithful prophet. I think we can draw some amazing lessons for us today and um, do the right thing.
3: Okay, Jerry, you had some thoughts
6: for us too on this one. Thanks. Yeah, just thinking about how he must have been considering his chances of success. He probably thought, I've got a snowflakes chance in hell of anybody responding to my call to repent. And, you know, it made me think we can find ourselves in a similar situation where we preempt, as it were, the outcome by by saying, look, this is just absolutely not going to work. I've got no chance at all here. But God specializes in the impossible, doesn't he? Or what is humanly impossible. He does, Jerry. Uh, So we shouldn't... Draw, um, some conclusions beforehand and say, well, this is not going to work because I think we limit God. If we have that attitude, we should just step out in. I mean, when I say just step out, it's, it's a challenge for sure. He's outside but, uh, his comfort zone, very definitely, isn't he? Yeah. 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 For sure. But we, and I think we'll look at that a bit more as, as we get into this study, we should have confidence that God knows what he's doing, mm-hmm. even if it seems to us like, an impossibility. Mm, thank you, Jerry. Will? You know, this,
4: this fear or this reticence rings very true with me in my own personal experience, if I may say. I, um, one of my colleagues, a pastor, um, was attacked in the city. His wife beside him. His wife was shot dead in his presence right next to him. He was shot as well. He survived, but then I was called to uh, go and work in that very dangerous area. You know, it's something you really think about and pray about, and uh, God had other plans. So I can understand his reticence.
3: Thank you. Just a comment. um, Using modern-day parlance and a word that we keep hearing over and over again, ad nauseum. Do you think there was some degree of racism in his response? Any thoughts? Was he racist
4: or just scared? I think you said yourself, uh, Brenton, that it's something like a modern day, uh, in the modern day setting, a Jew from the United (laughs) States becoming a missionary to the Palestinians and Hamas. (laughs) No. Well, I couldn't think of a better
3: illustration, actually. <laughs>
5: uh, Len? Yes, I think probably there was an element of racism, racism mm-hmm. because Jonah was an Israelite. Yes. And the Israelites regarded themselves as a cut above anybody else. And particularly with the uh, reputation that these Assyrians had, uh, he probably thought, well, uh, they're, they're low-class people, and he it probably influenced his decision not to go there.
3: I think that's a good comment. They're all good comments, actually. Uh, just in summarising this question before we move on, uh, in Acts chapter ten we find that uh, the gospel is now going to the Gentiles, and a person called Peter. It goes down to Joppa also, but Peter wasn't ready to hop on a boat and go to Tarshish. Tarshish, incidentally, was probably in modern-day Spain, they believe, so he was going in the opposite direction to what God wanted him to go. But in um, Peter's case, we find in chapter 10, when he eventually accepts the vision that he's been shown, and he goes to meet with Cornelius, he said, God has shown me that I should not call any man uncommon or unclean but moving on into our second question in uh, Jonah 1 verse 8 and 9 we find he's on board there's a big storm going on Len I wondered if you can share Jonah 1 8 and 9 for us and maybe comment
5: on that thanks okay well I guess a lot of people know the story of Jonah and I
3: think they would but they
5: <laughs> especially focus on Jonah being followed uh, swallowed by a great fish Many people say it was a whale, but we don't know that. We don't. And um, so Jonah went down to Joppa, headed off for Tarshish, which you just said was probably in Spain, to get away, get away from uh, the call that God had made. While aboard the ship, this terrific storm came up. And in order to stay afloat, the sailors threw off stuff that they thought they didn't need, the cargo in particular. And uh, the storm was raging. And what did Jonah do? He went down below deck and went to have a sleep. Well, <clears throat> the captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. And then a the mm. question... Maybe he will take notice of us and we will not perish It seems to me that the knowledge that Jonah was a prophet of God was known Now I'm not sure of this but it seems
3: mm, I think there's strong probability He was a
5: special man And it says in verse 10 he told I'll read verse 10 before I go to 8 and 9 Sure it says they knew he was running away from the Lord because he'd already told them so. So, <clears throat> all right, the purpose of your trip with us—this was a cargo ship; it wasn't a passenger ship. No, it was that he was going, getting away from God? All right. The uh, two verses in question, verses eight and nine. They asked him, "Tell us." Who is responsible for... Oh, I'll go back to verse 7 first. Sure, sure. And the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. Now, how did they cast lots? Well, they usually had a bag of stones. Yes. And in the bag were white stones and a black stone. And you put your hand in the bag And if you pulled out a white stone That was okay You weren't responsible And Jonah pulled out the black stone So Now this is more than just coincidence I think Because this led up to what follows Verse 8 So they asked him Tell us who's responsible for making all this trouble for us Well he'd already pulled out the black stone They knew And so they gave him opportunity. They asked another question. What do you do? Next question. Where do you come from? Next question. What is your country? And next question. From what people are you? All right. Well, he had a whole lot of questions to answer. He said, I'm a Hebrew and I worship the Lord. Now here is Jonah actually. Um being a missionary to the people he wasn't sent to. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. Now, these people had different ideas about gods than we do. But soon as they heard that he worshiped the Lord who made the sea and the land and the sea was in upheaval, they were terrified. Well, I just wonder what Jonah was thinking, <laughs> so do i and i I reckon he probably thought that this storm was not just an ordinary storm, that this was something God had sent, and um he probably thought. Here I am running away from God. Where can I hide? If he sent this storm, he knows that I'm here. He's displeased with me. And um, this reminds me of what the psalmist David, I think it was David who wrote this psalm, yes. Psalm chapter 139 and verse 18, Uh, sorry, verse 7 and eight. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? (laughs) If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If if I make my bed in the depths, you're there. The question is, where can you hide from the Lord? If you're a missionary, where can you hide from the Lord? If you're not a missionary, (laughs) you're still at the same issue. God knows Mm -hmm. all about us. Yeah. And in this case, it appears that this storm was sent, a, to turn Jonah around. And secondly, he witnessed of his uh, belief in the Creator God to the sailors on board the ship. You know, there's a whole lot we could share here.
3: There is, Lynn.
5: but. Um, I think that Jonah probably thought, I cannot get away from the Lord. He knows I'm here. And he probably didn't want to even witness to the sailors. But he was found out, and so he told them, I this to my own life, there are opportunities. And I had an opportunity yesterday uh, to witness to somebody who, I didn't think it was really an opportunity, but it probably was. But I didn't do it. And my wife has chided me. She was with me. And I thought to myself, well, she should have done it.
3: <laughs> and Nick, you had a thought for us before we move on.
0: Yes, again, I would like to draw a lesson here because um I believe Jonah was um, pretty good christian to say so he believed in god he followed god in many aspects he declared that in front of people yeah he he witnessed that yes. which we may do each one of us and i'm i'm saying that with uh, great respect you know uh, and for all those people who sometime may have um different thoughts and opposition to what we do as christians because what I want to really learn from this lesson is that we really need to step out of our comfort zone. We can be very good Christians and even be proud of ourselves, you know, that we have a good relationship with God, but we can be still Jonah. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is probably what I would like to to really emphasize on here. We live in a very special time. We live in a time it's, of the end. We do. And this is, I believe, very important to learn from stories like this. We need to practice how to be able and to be ready to really step out of Mm. our comfort zone and Mm. do the things which God wants us to do for the rest of the world and for ourselves. I Mm. believe Jonah had a very good um, experience after that We go now uh, as probably we may mention again is not much mentioned about Jonah um after very little the, after these things but uh uh the story is known all over the world yes. Yes, about this man. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Nick.
3: I find it ironical guys in uh some respects. Um here is a man who is witnessing despite himself rather than because of himself. It just seems to me that God can use people even when they don't want to be used. If he sees that there's an ultimate plan And God does have an ultimate plan His ultimate plan was the salvation of the Ninevites So you've got that situation Anyway, moving on from there Chapter 2 talks about um, how Jonah was swallowed by a fish We find that at the end of chapter 1 uh, What's interesting to surmise Is that the guys that he was on the boat with Going to Tarshish they would never have known that he had survived. They didn't know he'd been swallowed by a fish. Once they threw him overboard, they would have thought, that's it, he's drowned. But uh, here he is. He bobs up again in Chapter 3, Denise. And uh, you're looking at verses 1 to 4 for us, thanks to to just fill a few things in for us.
1: Sure. Well, I'd just like to go back to Jonah 1.1. No,
3: by all means,
1: by all means. Jonah 3, 1 to 4. So in Jonah 1, 1, um, we see, uh, it says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. And in verse 2, it says, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. So that's the only um injunction he has, preach against yes. it. Yes, yes. Assuming he's preaching against the wickedness that these people are displaying. But in chapter 3, verses 1 to 4, it says this. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and pro- proclaim to it the message I give you. So this is after he's been um, vomited up onto dry land from the fish. So God gives him the second This is you need to go. This is a second time. In verse 3 it says, Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very important city. A visit required three days. Um, in verse four, it says, on the first day, Jonas started into the city. He proclaimed, and this was the message, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overturned. So this is the message. If they don't repent, they've got, oh, they've got 40 days to repent or God's going to destroy the city. So um God always has a time before judgment and a warning. He gives people a warning. If we think about um, the flood, Noah preached for 120 years before the flood came. John the Baptist preached about repentance before Jesus arrived um for his mission. The Ninevites were given 40 days to repent in the prophecies of Daniel and revelation. Humanity is given time along with a warning. And there are signs that indicate that the time is now to repent before judgment, um, because sin requires judgment. So God doesn't, um, arbitrarily judge without giving people warning and an opportunity to repent. He wants to save everybody who's prepared to believe in him and we all have that opportunity to repent.
3: Thank you, Denise. Uh, Just, um, panel, I'll throw this one open, but Denise can also answer it by all means. How should that affect our compassion for the lost? If God is um, warning people, giving them time, and all the rest of it, shouldn't we have the same sort of mindset when we're reaching out to others?
4: I think, uh, Brenton, if we bring it right home to our own families, would you like someone to tell your own children, encourage them to love Jesus and to love God? Oh, yes. Now, swinging it around, there are other children, other people, who need to hear just as much. Um, We look outwardly with the feeling that we would have felt towards the kindness and compassion towards ourselves. if you understand what I'm trying to say. A missionary spirit is born of love and concern for others. And um, there's nothing that really should turn us away from it.
3: Good thought, Will, and uh, Denise as well.
5: Imagine this scenario, here you are, uh, shall we say, happily saved and things are going very nicely and it comes judgment day and somebody, maybe a neighbor, maybe a friend, somebody like that is judged to suffer eternal death. But before the, the sentence is carried out, they come and they say, but you never told me. Now, I think those words should haunt us. Yes. Christians. You never told me. You knew, but you never told me. And I think the the, the point of this particular lesson is bound up in this. Whether we love people or not, We still have a responsibility to tell them that there is a way out of this depth of sin that uh, the world has got itself entangled in. So that's the point for us. We need to tell whether we love people or not, and hopefully we do. We think the best of people.
6: Jerry? I think we should also persevere. In our intercessory prayer for uh, people and, that we and know, yeah, that oh, we yeah, love. I agree with you, yes, in our families um, i I pray by name for the people I know in my family and in the people that I've worked with and still communicate with, uh, many of whom have zero interest in the gospel, and so i could I could say, well, how likely is it that they're that they're going to turn around and, and and you know ask me some questions?" At the moment, it doesn't look anything like that, but I have learned over the years to persevere. It doesn't take long to mention people's names because as you were alluding to, uh, Brenton, you know, it has to engender in us a love for people, the gospel, whether we see a result or not. That's secondary. Our primary concern is that we show concern for people that we pray for them, that we lend a helping hand, that we go out of our way to do something, to share the gospel, the love of Jesus, and to be a living demonstration of that. And I think people do take notice. We just have to be faithful and keep praying.
3: Jerry, I think uh, the living for many people is more important than the talking. You've just stated that you can talk to people and they don't show a, a scrap of interest. They do notice your behavior. They do notice the way that you operate. Nick, you had a thought for us before we move on.
0: Yeah, I just want to say that um, there is not such thing that uh, people can come to God and say, but we didn't know. They will all know in a way or the other. But I may be responsible and I will be called uh, a wicked servant, maybe because I I was called to tell them and I turned it uh back, I t- turned my back around, and that's what matters for me, actually. It's more important for me than uh, for them in the end. But we are privileged to share that wonderful message which God sends us to, to deliver, and then we turn it down. God may find other ways to do that, and um, God will do. But my dear friend, this may be you or me rejecting God. And that can come across on our back. And that's what I'd like to learn from this lesson again. Yes,
3: sure, sure. Thank you, Nick. Lydia, uh, moving on from what Denise shared with us in verses 1 to 4, we find the result, so to speak, of Jonah's preaching. Denise mentioned that he started out on the first day and said at 40 days Nineveh will be overthrown. But in verses 5 to 9, what is the response of these, for want of a better term, um, and Will touched on it pretty well, these these guys were almost savages. Their behavior was the ultimate in cruelty, as um, Will has actually touched on. But what is the response? We have a reluctant servant. I, I get the impression that even though he's now going, as Denise shared with us, because God said, I want you to go. I'm still asking you to go. This is the message you are to give. And He's um, there's nowhere does it say, I'm on my way, Lord. But he is going. But I sort of get the impression that he's still reluctant. What does verse 5 to 9 teach us, I guess, about God's love and their response?
2: I would like to read from the Bible. So sure. Jonah chapter 3, verse 5. The Ninevites believed God. They declared a fast and all of them from the greatest to the least put on sackcloth. When the news reached the king of Nineveh he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth and sat down in the dust. Then He issued a proclamation in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let any man or beast, herd or flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink. Mm. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. Amazingly the result was astonishing.
3: Absolutely. Um-
2: yeah, the Ninevites were moved to repentance. And yes, Jonah had to go through a lot to do what he didn't want to do on the first place. But when he did it, God was glorified. Yes. So, um, God's mission is, uh, is carried forward on the shoulders of those who are willing to sacrifice, even if reluctantly as Jonah, but our values must give way to God's priority for the lost. And like Jonah, we sometimes harbor prejudice that keep us from reaching out to a person or a group. But having to face our prejudices requires humility. Mission also requires time, emotional energy, and investing in others' lives. But truly, these carrying for them, can be taxing. But finally, being involved in a mission offer requires that we change our feeling, the way we feel about others, and use everything, whatever we have. So the good news is that in spite of Jonah's inadequacies, God worked powerfully in bringing the Ninevites to repentance. So they recommitted their lives to God.
5: I have wondered why the Ninevites took Jonah seriously and I personally think that the the news about Jonah's miraculous escape through the fish would have preceded him and when he came into the city of Nineveh people would have identified him this uh, he was actually a walking miracle, yep. and people would have taken notice of that because I think if he just walked in and, and proclaimed, uh, you have 40 days to repent, otherwise the city's going to be destroyed, the message mightn't have been so effective. But now, through this experience and through the people knowing who he was, It was a very effective message and they realized that the God of heaven who caused that storm, the God of heaven who saved Jonah, was the same God of heaven who could destroy the city of Nineveh. So they sat up and took
0: notice. I would like to put a plug here. As you mentioned, Len, and others before, what an amazing uh, turnaround. Yes. But, you know, we need to... Look at ourselves and experience that mm-hmm. uh, revival, if you like. Yep. I would like to give a book out now to our listener, my dear friend listening today. Just need to send us a text message to us on the number zero four eight two zero nine triple eight three. We'll be very happy to send you the book "True Revival" that may. Help you influence your life. Why not to request that book? And the code for this book is S A B S two. S A stands for South Australia. B S Bible Study. Just put number two. Don't put any space in between this. Just ra- write that code and send it to us. S A B S two. The number is zero four eight two zero nine triple eight three. Thank you Nick.
3: Um, Len going back to what you said I find that very insightful your comment his miraculous deliverance from de- clearly from death uh, would have had an impact on them but in addition to that it must have been the power of the Holy Spirit working through Jonah reluctant as he was that convicted these people that they needed to repent I mean, you and I and any of us as a panel can go out onto the street today. I can go down to the Tea Tree Plaza and say, in 40
6: days, Adelaide's going to be destroyed. How many people would listen?
2: Mm -hmm.
6: Interestingly, Brenton, he didn't say, unless you repent. His message was, or at least he didn't. You're right. He didn't say. He just says, yet 40 days and none of it shall be overthrown. That's it. He may have included unless you repent, but that's not specifically. No, it's recorded not recorded in scripture. In scripture. It's uh, what is recorded in scripture is that judgment
3: day is coming in 40 days. Yeah. Yeah. But what does this tell us about God? Because now we're moving on, Jerry. You're going to share with us from Jonah four verses one to three. He's given the message. Um, yeah. most people don't realize that Jonah was by far the most successful evangelist in the Old Testament. As far as response goes, <laughs> the number of people he preached to and the, the response. I mean, for any of our evangelists today, if you preached to a hundred thousand people and a hundred thousand people gave their hearts to the Lord, I think you'd be praising the Lord till he returns
6: in the clouds of heaven. <laughs> so. Indeed. Indeed. You know, before I uh, read those few verses from chapter four, I'd like to reflect for a moment, Brenton, on how Jonah expressed himself after being saved from pretty much certain death I mean for all intents and purposes he was dead and buried
2: he, he was swallowed
6: was. by that fish and yet out of the depths of his misery and despair he pleads for God to save him yes. and we read that in, in uh, chapter 2 he says I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction and he answered me out of the belly of Shoal I cried and you heard my voice and so forth and he, he expresses his confidence then When he says, um, yet I will look again toward your holy temple, in verse 4. And finally, with the voice of thanksgiving, in verse 9, I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. So here he expresses his confidence in God's salvation. And you would think... And confidence in his deliverance from the fish. Absolutely. He's hardly going to be able to look to the Lord's temple or pay his vows if he's still stuck in the fish. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, wouldn't you be jumping for joy if you had that kind of deliverance? Yes. Yeah. So you would think that that, that would have made such an immense impression on him. And sure, he, he, he gets another commission or Lord renews his commission to Jonah and, and Jonah happily accepts it this time. So he goes there and I'm trying to get into his mind how he's thinking. So I'll just read from the, a paraphrase, a clear word paraphrase, chapter four, verses one to four, and it says there, when Jonah saw the people repent, this is after he goes there, and he, he says, "Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown." So when he sees the people repent, he became very angry, because he knew all along that God would forgive them. So he complained to the Lord. <laughs> Lord it's, it's, in a way, it's a, it's a, but, but not. He says, "Lord." Didn't I say that this would happen, even before I left home? I knew that you wouldn't destroy them. That's why I tried to run away to Spain. You're a loving God, gracious, kind, compassionate, always ready to forgive and show mercy. Lord, let me die, because what I told the people of Nineveh won't happen. I would be better off dead than to live and be remembered as a false prophet. Oh, dear. Um, Just imagine. Uh, somebody said before, he, he was essentially by default almost the greatest evangelist that ever lived. What a response. What a response. Pretty much every man, you re- responded to the call to, or not even the call to repent, but did some introspection, serious introspection and, and realized, hey, this is it. We're doomed unless we repent. And, um, so it was a fantastic result. He should have been. Beside himself, joy. I would have thought whole, so. The whole city responded and, and, and acknowledged, uh, the God of heaven, his God. But what does he do? He goes and sulks because, because, you know, he, he did. Why, so, why did he
3: sulk? What do you think the reason was that he was sulking over this? Well, as it says, he now, knows God's, um, um, mercy, doesn't he? He, he yes. says that. He says, yeah. "I
6: know what you're going to do. I knew that before I even came here. I knew yeah. that you would forgive them." Mm. Yeah. But he's afraid of his reputation. He 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 doesn't yeah. want to look stupid. Mm. He goes there with a message of of, of doom. He got forty days. The city's going to be destroyed, and the very opposite happens. Oh, uh, woe well is me! How how foolish I look!
5: Mm.
3: It's all yeah. about him, still, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, uh, Len, yes. you had a thought for
5: it. Yes. Just a short one. It's a bit like this. In the beginning, Jonah thought, God, you're setting me on an impossible mission. Mm -hmm. Mission accomplished. Now you've given me an impossible answer. I'm not happy.
3: (laughs) (laughs) You know what? More than not happy, he said, I'm so angry, I wished I could die. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Has anyone else got any thoughts? So, Denise. Mm -hmm.
1: I think Jonah actually wanted these people to be destroyed.
3: Yeah, I do too. I do too. I think he was sitting outside the city waiting for them to be zapped and it didn't happen. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, we're finishing off though, Nick, on something positive. We're moving to the book of Isaiah where Isaiah has a vision in certain that gives you the year that the king was um raining uh, when this happened, but there, I wondered if, uh, rather than reading the eight verses because of time, if you could just summarise for us uh the question that was asked and the response that Isaiah gave, because I believe in summarising our study for today, Nick, this is the answer we need to consider giving.
0: Absolutely, uh, Brenton and Panel. This is a very good uh, uh story to end, as you just said. It's interesting that uh, this uh, prophet uh, Isaiah, he was taken, if you like, maybe it was a vision or uh, something like that, that he could see the splendor of God, you know, and uh, as you just said, I'm not going to read those verses, but my dear friend listening today, it's worth to go in chapter 6, Isaiah chapter 6, and read those verses to see uh, the context of the story. But you know, this man Isaiah, wonderful man. We we look into the Bible and we learn a lots of things about him. But he was terrified by uh, seeing the the glory of God, and then he was crying out, "Woe me! You know, I'm I'm doomed. You know, I've seen God, and no man can live, but God, in His mercy, you know, He sent His angels." And said, I will touch your lips, you know, with the, with the burning coal. And he uh, said, your transgressions, your sins are removed. You know, God, that's what God wants, us to realize who we are, that we are sinful people, that we need God. And then God says, but hey, look the condition of uh, my people, of Israel. Who shall we send? Mm. And then mm-hmm. straight away, Isaiah, no hesitation, says, send me God. He didn't even know yet uh, what he needs to say or all those things. And God tells him after, you know. Uh, but I will encourage also um, we to, to look into v- chapter 5 in Isaiah, because that tells us the condition of Israel. And uh, we'll understand a little bit better that. Uh, I may just want to say this, uh, Brenton. Why not to answer today? Like Isaiah. Yes. Because God, it's, I'll put it in these words, may not be the right ones, but God is crying out. You know, God sees what's going on in this world and God says, who shall I send? Why not to say every one of us is, send me God. Send me. I would like to go and tell the people about your amazing love. Yes. Because we as Christians, that's why we proclaim that we are Christians, because we believe in God, in the love of God who died for us to rescue us. We have an amazing story to tell. Why Mm. not to do it now? Why we are still saying, oh, maybe somebody else, which is more... Um, prepared, more equipped, eloquent, and so on and so forth. But you know, people out there need to hear my story, my experience with God, and I believe Isaiah could tell the people what he saw yeah. and how that influenced him. I believe it's a, it's a wonderful thing, uh, Brenton and, and and panel and listener, to realize that we are. In God's plan of salvation of humankind, we are including in, included in that plan. We are. What a privilege. Mm -hmm. What a privilege. Are we responding accordingly? Yes. Or are we still hesitating and we learn from the story of Jonah, you know, that we can excuse things, you know, try to avoid things, but Lord, but this, if I'll do this, what happened? Forget about those things. Just Listen to God's call. And my dear friend today, God may call you. God may call you to do something for him. Mm, Please answer
3: today. Here am I. Send me. Thank you, Nick. The challenge I want to leave not only with our panel but with our listeners is maybe think about choosing five people who you may know who are not followers of Jesus. Pray for them for the rest of this uh, series of Bible studies and ask God to help you casually befriend them. Notice I used the word casually. However, it could be that if God has people in mind already, you may get to know them better than on just a casual basis. Note, as your relationship grows, their areas of concern. I can testify personally that you must find where people are hurting Nick and panel, you must find where their interests lie, where, where their problems lie in order to be a conduit through whom God's love can reach. That's my challenge to us as a panel and to our listeners. Lena, I wonder if you'd close with prayer for us, please.
5: Yes. Dear father in heaven, we've heard the story of Jonah and you could use him and you did use him, although he was reluctant. Yes. And I would like to suggest that those amongst us, those listeners who are listening today, there will be some who are Christians who know you, might they take up this challenge and realise that God can use anyone, provided they're willing. And for those who haven't got a good relationship with you yet, the message is still there, that we're all sinners Yes. That if we confess our sins, our God is able and willing to forgive us our sins because he made it possible through the birth, death and resurrection of Jesus. Yes. I pray for your blessings on everyone who listens to this program.
0: Yes,
5: Lord. I do so in the name of Jesus.
0: Amen. Mm -hmm. Amen. Thank you so much everyone for uh, your input today, Uh, indeed a wonderful um, lesson to learn. hope that we can uh, put in practice and uh, today we are talking about excuses to avoid God's mission uh, given to us. We are going to learn a bit more in the next study, motivation and preparation for mission. Why not join us again, my dear friend, next time? and learn a little bit more how to be prepared. But before that, I would like to draw your attention again to this uh, wonderful book uh, called True Revival. You can have this book if you send us a text message to 482 zero nine triple eight three. The code is S-A-B-S-2. May God richly bless you, and looking forward to hear from you.